Welcome to Tips from Trestle. This podcast is dedicated to discussing the senior living industry with a unique focus on food, hospitality, and leadership. I'm your host, Aaron Fish. As a 25-year veteran of the hospitality industry, I've focused my work on creating exceptional experiences for the customers we serve. My goal for this podcast? Educate, inform, and inspire leaders in senior living to bring food and hospitality to the front of mind in our industry. Let's bring the innovative and passionate spirit of hospitality to everything that we do. For the residents, families, guests, and employees we serve each and every day. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Welcome. I'm Dr. Karen Byrd, Assistant Professor at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. And we appreciate Aaron Fish facilitating facilitating our class discussion today on the topic of dining and culinary services in senior living. For Aaron's podcast listeners, the students that are joining the live podcast today are enrolled in a course called Management of Senior Living Communities. And this is an undergraduate course that we're offering and Purdue's White Lodging J.W. Marriott Junior School of Hospitality and Tourism Management. Currently, we have 11 students that are enrolled in this class, all majoring in hospitality. And before I turn it over to Aaron, I want to introduce him to the students. So for Aaron, with nearly 30 years of hospitality and industry experience, Aaron has spent his time in the industry with a singular focus on the customer experience. Having gained experience in some of the top hospitality organizations in the country, he has brought a keen attention to building customer-focused operations to the senior living industry. From hotel F&B director to senior living uh, senior vice president, Aaron has spent his career creating best-in-class experiences for the residents he served. He does this with an eye towards innovation and concept design, as well as implementing a combination of best practices, system development, and quality training for all levels throughout any organization. He is currently the founder and CEO of Trestle Hospitality Concepts, which is a boutique consulting firm providing hospitality and food service consulting services to developers, owners, and operators of senior living communities nationwide. Aaron holds a bachelor's degree in hospitality management from Kansas State University, as well as an MBA in marketing from Baker University. Now, as a reminder for the students, if you do have a question, feel free to type it in the chat at any time. And at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Aaron. Awesome. Thanks, Karen. Uh, thanks for having us. Uh, we're, I'm excited to do this. Uh, you know, we've got a couple of uh, friends of mine who are in the industry, and uh, I think we're going to have some, some good conversation. We've got some things we want to share, and obviously we want to answer your questions about uh, food, dining, hospitality, and, and senior living, and how all of that comes together. And so I'm going to quickly introduce them. Uh, first, we have Matt Perez. So Matt is the National Director of Dining Operations for MBK Senior Living. In his role, he supports and leads the dining strategic direction for the company, additionally supporting each community's culinary and service programs to create a best-in-class resident experience. Matt was educated at the highly regarded Culinary Institute of America at Greystone in Napa Valley, and over the years has honed his skills working with some of the country's best-known restaurateurs, including Chris Constantino, Jordan Kahn, and Adam Fleischman. Matt's prior roles include VP of Hospitality at Vineyard Luxury Communities, National Director of Dining at Kisco Senior Living, 
and principal of Fork Fusion Consultants and executive chef partner at TS Restaurants. So, Matt, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, also with us today is Andrew Moret. He is the Vice President of Culinary Services for Oakmont Management Group, the fastest growing premier senior living provider on the West Coast. He leads the culinary team at over 60 communities throughout California and Nevada to provide seasonally curated meals while accommodating individual dietary preferences and needs. Andrew is also a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America and has over 15 years of leadership experience in all aspects of fine dining and food operations. By cultivating strong leadership amongst his team, Andrew elevates the senior living dining experience and advocates for residents to ensure that being a senior is an enjoyable lifestyle and not a diagnosis. Andrew, thanks for being here as well. Happy to be here. Thank you. So uh, we're going to kind of do some Q&A and, and Matt and Andrew and I are going to answer some questions that Karen wanted us to, to kind of cover initially. Um, but we definitely want to leave some time at the end for, for your questions and to try and address anything that maybe you're curious about. And so, um, you know, I, my backstory and how I got into senior living is very much like all of the students you are here in the class. I was a hospitality, you know, major and I my goal was to be a hotel GM. Right. I was like the five star resorts. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to run that 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 hotel. Uh, and then just by circumstance wound up in senior living and saw this huge opportunity for hospitality to be brought into the daily operations, right? It was very, you know, this was back in 2003, so a few years ago. And so, you know, hospitality wasn't really something that they were thinking about. It was a very institutional healthcare model. And over the last couple of decades, as Matt and Andrew will also attest to, we've really you know, the leaders in the industry have been pushing this change from that institutional healthcare model to much more hospitality with healthcare support. And so, you know, as I've gone through my career, I've worked for various operators building programs like that, but then decided to found Trestle Hospitality to reach smaller operators, right? Like that you'll find from talk, when we talk to Matt and Andrew, you know, they work for large organizations and have who have invested, you know, corporate dollars in food and dining uh, because of the talent they put on their teams. Well, smaller operators can't necessarily do that. And so my goal with the Trestle Hospitality Concepts is to provide that executive support uh, for those smaller operators. And there's a number of them coming into the industry. And so we're, we all have different perspectives on uh, how we got into the industry. Uh, you know, Matt and Andrew are both culinary experts. I came up as a front of the house specialist. Uh, so we, but we all have a similar kind of uh, thought process and approach and a, and a care and concern about how we do things. And so, um, so let's just jump into our conversation, right? And so, Andrew, I want to start with you and, and kind of talk a little bit about your transition from you know, the commercial hospitality world into senior living and, and some of the differences that you you found when you first started that transition. Absolutely. Um, thanks, Aaron, uh, for the question. And thank you everyone for your time today and letting Matt and I be a part of your class. Um, so got involved in, in senior living, I think the way Aaron and, and Matt did, we, both, we all kind of stumbled upon it. Um, I think that it... Uh, you know, I had always wanted to be a, a restaurant chef. That was that was my dream as a you know a up and coming cook and up and coming chef. And um, you know, at some point, 
you, I think you hit a point in your career where you're just looking for more and a, and a, you know, your last job, um, you know, an organization that you can grow with and, um, working in a very, um, competitive, um, competitive area was Napa Valley and restaurants are opening and closing and really everybody's just looking for the hot new spot. So, um, ended up stumbling upon senior living and was, was very happy that I did, uh, to get away from, uh, some of the, the long hours and late nights of the restaurant world. Um, although now as Matt can probably attest, we probably work longer hours, but, uh, you know, getting away just from that, um, kind of that, that environment. Um, I think one of the big things that are the big mindset shifts from, from corporate dining into, um, senior healthcare or senior care, senior living is it's, it's really not a, a change from corporate to, to dining. I think it's a change of a mindset. Uh, when I took on uh, my first job in senior living, I opened a community in Northern California as the executive chef. And, um, you know, I was, I wasn't sure what to expect. I had come from restaurants. I was expecting everything to, um, you know, come prepackaged or come frozen or come canned. And, um, when I got into, you know, the, the community, they pretty much gave me the keys and said, you know, have at it, build out your program. And so I built it out like I would if I, if it was my own restaurant. Um, and so we had this beautiful kitchen, state-of-the-art kitchen, big walk-in, big freezer, you know, just like we had a garden out back. So there was really no difference between uh, what I was working in and, and a lot of the restaurants I worked at. And honestly, the the environment in the kitchen was a lot nicer than a lot of restaurants that I've worked in. So, um, you know, really built the program out. And I remember speaking to my executive director and, you know, I was just like, I don't under, I don't understand why, why everybody's not doing this. Why is everybody not making everything from scratch? Why are we having, you know, why do we have that stigma that everything comes out of a box or out of a can? And, um, you know, he, he, kind of shared this anecdote of like, you know, we just need people like you to have the mindset that we can rather than the mindset that we can't. Um, and I, I hope I'm not speaking for Matt here, but I think like that's really where, you know, myself and him and some of our other colleagues in the industry are really trying to change that mindset where, where there's a difference between, uh, you know, working in a restaurant or a hotel or a casino and working in senior living or even some hospitals um, you know, when you get out of culinary school or you go to a hospitality management class or, or school or you you have the goal of being a restaurant chef or being a chef at a hotel or being a chef at a casino. Um, and I think if, if if I know for myself, again, not to speak for you, Matt, but I think if we if we had one wish, um, you know, is that people would also get out of culinary school and think I want to be a chef at senior living. So I don't think there's really. I mean, there's obviously there's better hours, there's better benefits working for bigger organizations, you have, you know, more financial backings and capital partners. Um, but by way of the difference, I, I don't really think there's, there's a difference. We're still creating good food. We're still having a lot of fun doing what we're doing. Um, and we're still chefs, but we had to shift our mindset to do what we're doing. And, you know, I think we're trying to shift everybody's mindset about what we do as well. I think what you're saying about uh, mindset is so important, right? And I think at the the ground level, there's it's very easy to do, right? Because if you're at one location and you bring in the right leader with the right mindset, like you were, and you you came in, it's probably not a huge task. But when we start talking about these larger organizations that have an impact on the industry, you know, how do you get 
owners and operators who have been in this business for 25, 35, 45 years to really start thinking about hospitality uh, as, like I like to say, as part of that three-legged stool of how we should be managing and operating senior living. And so I'm curious, Matt, from your perspective, I know we've talked about this in the past, what were some of the challenges that you faced personally as you came into some of these uh, operators and said, hey, we're not doing this right. We need to do it this way because it's going to be better food, better, happier residents, better for our budgets. I mean, all of the above. So what were some of the challenges that you faced as you entered the senior living? Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Um, and, and I think important to note here is a little bit of backstory. Um, so again, thank you so much, everybody, for the time. Um, pleasure to be here. Um, you know, I think one of the most important things I want to point out is as I got into senior living, it was by happen chance. Um, I was a, a freestanding restaurant partner, executive chef, and was really having a great time. Um, working a lot of hours, as you heard Andrew mention, and was looking for more, was looking for a different trajectory for myself to advance my culinary skills, um, my leadership abilities, and my business acumen. And uh, I was very fortunate as I had gotten moved away from TS Restaurants, I had a consulting company, and again, was kind of just growing tired and fatigued of these long hours and was searching for something that was more. Um, was very fortunate that I was approached by Kisco Senior Living and fell into a role as a national director of operations, which was innovative and kind of new to itself, as you heard Andrew mention, um, some of the greatest attributes and kind of positive value adds is that running a building gives you some great insights into best practices, what to do, what not to do. And uh, I had come into this environment um, where I was coming from freestanding restaurants, working with the, you know, Hyatt's and Hilton's and Four Seasons of the World, and was coming from a place of hospitality and creating this rich customer experience that I wanted to translate into senior living. And uh, Aaron, to your question, you know, some of the roadblocks were that it was just generally new. It was something that hadn't been really articulated, something that hadn't been deployed or rolled out. And it took a fair amount of effort and most importantly, some poise and articulation of laying out the plan of how it could create value add benefits for team members or associates, as well as residents or customers. So I would say one of the most important parts is um, ultimately having that plan, being able to lay it out well, um, being able to articulate what are the key milestones and performance indicators of what makes it work. But at the end of the day, um, it, it was a feeling. I think I was successful in articulating what the end result would be from a feeling standpoint um, that would net as a result for our customer. Yeah, and one of the things for me that went, as I kind of fought the same battles that you and Andrew did as you went into your organizations was I, I always had to approach it a little bit differently and think of it's hospitality with a purpose, right? which I, I think will probably resonate with our with the students because, uh, you know, as I talk to the younger generation, they want jobs that are going to let them be able to have a purpose, right? And so being able to create hospitality with a purpose and getting those corporate offices to understand that, you know, it's important. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's just, it's still somewhat new, right? Like there are operators like Oakmont and NBK that, that do it right. And there are plenty of operators that still just think, well, 
we're we're a healthcare company that manages real estate and we got to do food because it's just it's a regulation and so it, it can be really tough sometimes but I, I think you guys have both done a really good job with that and so um, one of the other things and uh, I'd love for both of you to touch on this a little bit is you know for me I, I, there are challenges and rewards in what we do that I think are unique uh, and different than maybe working in hotels and, and restaurants and so. I'd love to get a couple uh, of challenges and rewards that you guys have experienced over the years uh, that you've had in your, your time during senior living. Uh, Matt, you want to go first? Certainly. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I would say some things that that are really special to us and specifically to me is, um, you know, kind of I, I used as vernacular and purposeful language around the feeling. And, um, you know, from my experience, I've had some wonderful customers and some challenging ones. And when I got into senior living, that was one of the most special things that occurred to me was this intimacy, this connection with the customer. And um, the, the, the simplest way I can articulate it to you is we all have this fondness and this attraction to our grandparents. We love hearing their stories. We love sharing meals with them. And they're really special in our lives. And in our industry, um, we have this wonderful opportunity to work with our grandparents, um, a whole bunch of grandparents um, in multiple locations for Andrew and I, but specifically for you as you're thinking about a trajectory into senior living, um, it's, it's a great feeling. It really helps you to do some meaningful work. Um, these are folks that really are looking for a communal setting where they can experience the best years of their life. And, and of course, I am biased. Um, but in dining, we, we have three meals a day. We get to visit with them three times a day. We create some wonderful, meaning, rela uh, meaningful relationships. And um, the stories that we get to hear are really, really, really special. Um, I think the differences there are ultimately that versus some of the transient nature of freestanding restaurants and hotels. So for me, it's about, you know, doing some meaningful work with my grandparents every day. Yeah. And, and Andrew, I, I don't want to make you the, the negative guy here, but there's definitely challenges as well when you're stuck doing three meals a day for the same customers that are there 18, 24, 36 months at a time. So um, what have you been able to do uh, to get your team to be successful in that kind of setting? We're going to put a positive spin on that challenge. So Yeah, I'll see your challenge and I'll make it positive. The, um, <laughs> no, I think one of the, as Matt said, the great thing is you get to see our residents three times a day, you know, and feed them meals three times a day. The challenging thing is, you know, you have to see those residents three times a day and and feed them three meals a day and, and have them enjoy all those meals. So, um, you know, as if you it's nice we have these beautiful restaurants in our communities now. Um, but even if you go to your favorite restaurant every day, three times a day, it gets old. So I think that's where uh, we get to have fun. Um, you know, Matt alluded to the feeling of being able to be there at end of life and just take care of and have this real intimate relationship uh, with our residents where, you know, you're seeing them more than their family um, and you're really bonding and really they become closer than, I mean, I see our residents more than I see my own family, it seems like sometimes. Um, so I think what's really cool and the way to uh, uh, keep things spicy is just to, I enjoy introducing new items to the residents, like a, a 90 year old resident that's never had a raw oyster before, um, you know, or a, a senior that's never had pork belly um, or, uh, you know, a more, uh, a lot of the seniors of the, you know, the, the greatest generation, the depression era uh, generation, 
they never really had much by way of ethnic food, you know, pasta or like, you know, the ground beef tacos on a crunchy shell were kind of as, as risky as they got, but to really like get out there and, you know, introduce them to like a mole, um, you know, or like a chicken makani or, you know, just some different ethnic dishes as well. And it's not so much, I mean, that's a challenge in itself because it's kind of out there and it's not for everybody, but, you know, when you get to have a, you know, a senior that's 90 years old and say, I've never had anything like this before and have them get excited about it. I mean, that that's just another, you know, great benefit of working in this industry. Yeah, I think you're right. Like introducing the experience, introducing the different flavor palettes. I mean, just doing those things alone. I mean, I've seen the similar results in, in communities that I've worked in. And so, um, uh, you're absolutely right that that challenge can actually bring out more creativity and let your chefs and your your hospitality managers really run with it, if you will. And so um, I, I wanted to this is a senior living management class. Right. And so we're not talking just about food service. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about how the, the food and beverage and dining operations interacts with some of the other departments. Right. So that way students can get a feel for I know they're going to be talking to some experts in these other areas in the future. And so, but just kind of give them a little bit of the land of, of how food works with the other departments. And so um, I'd love to start with kind of talking about wellness, right? This is the, the big one. We are, you know, if, if you're in assisted living or even skilled nursing, right? You're there because you need assistance. You need extra help uh, with your health and, and things of that nature. And so, um, you know, Andrew, give us some of the, some of the, the tips and, and things that you and your department do to work with your wellness team there at Oakmont. Absolutely, and it's a it's a very close relationship because um, at being a care facility, care and wellness are obviously uh, you know the the main reasons that bring people into assisted living. Um, so uh, open lines of communication. I mean, communication obviously fixes the majority of our world's issues. Uh, so having a strong line of communication with our, our directors of wellness, we call them our health service directors that are in our organization, um, so that we can monitor and maintain the different residents' diets. Um, in addition to needing to, you know, modified textured diets like a mechanical soft or a mechanical chopped or a puree for, you know, some of those residents that are um, further along in their progression. Um, there's also an opportunity to partner with the wellness team um, and create almost like a food medicine program. Um, there's a lot of benefits um, that can, uh, or a lot of uh, benefits of providing nutrients like vitamins and minerals through food, um, as well as hydration. Um, so it really gives us an opportunity to not necessarily need to put a resident on a medication or get a doctor's order, but provide them uh, a diet that's rich in those items that they're needing. So partnering with wellness is uh, very big in our organization as, as in, in many, uh, not just because of like our needs to meet certain dietary needs that are prescribed by a doctor, but just so that we can keep our residents as independent as possible for as long as possible and as healthy as possible for as long as possible. Yeah, I, I you're right. And I think, you know, partnering with that, that wellness department, especially when you, when you're, that's the, the thinking and why maybe they're there. Uh, it can really enhance, like I, we were talking about the resident experience overall. And I, I love that concept of food medicine, right? Like there's so many things 
that you can do with food just to provide nutrition and hydration and keep people eating as they maybe don't want to as they get older. And so um, all great stuff there, Andrew. So uh, Matt, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about uh, helping close the back door. And I know that that's some insider jargon, but um, what I'm referring to obviously is we're talking about working with the sales and marketing teams. So um, what has your experience been with uh, the sales team at MBK and, and how you guys go about working together? Um, so much like Andrew had noted, I mean, communication is critical, right? Across departmental um, collaborations, the communication piece, obviously, very, very important. Um, you know, the sales folks are a dynamic group that gets really, really excited about selling what we have, um, physical, tangible things that you can touch, see, feel, and eat. And in, in food and beverage, I think we have this wonderful opportunity and, and really it's a challenge to provide an experience and to provide, um, you know, literal plates of food that look sexy for us to sell. So, um, you know, let's, I, I once had this little one liner that was shared with me, you know, um, you know, residents come into senior care for care and they're looking for a safe, warm, secure, friendly environment. And when they're on their tour and they're looking at their potential residents and meeting the team, um, by the end of it, they look at you and they say, Aaron, what's for lunch? And that's ultimately what is that feel good? And supporting sales is an honor that way, where they oftentimes will bring our customer, our residents into our restaurants to close that deal because it's a feeling of hospitality, the table touch, some wonderful food, um, perhaps a glass of wine. Supporting sales is truly a great honor. Um, but I think that the challenge that we have is, as I kind of share it, is being show ready at all times, being ready in our restaurants. They have to look the part. We have to be ready to deliver an amazing experience on a whim because our uh, potential you know, customer can walk in at any moment. Yeah, I think you make a great point about the showtime readiness, right? Like I preached that when I would be in communities uh, and doing site visits because you know, it really is kind of that end all be all, right? Like it's that first impression. And we have the ability with our, our food programs to be able to push it over the edge, right? Like be kind of that last nail in the board of closing the deal. You know, I remember one time as a young dining director at a CCRC, uh, getting an email from the sales director that was basically a cut and paste from uh, a family member of a prospect and said, you know, we were, we, we loved everything we saw, but you know, there's other competitors that look the same, but we sat down in the dining room and we had that meal and we saw how happy everybody was. Nobody was complaining about the food. It was just this warm environment, inviting people love talking about it. They talked up the food, but then you learn more about the community that way. And, and it was really the, you just knocked it out of the park for us uh, and got us a prospect. And that was, uh, you know, Kind of the it's for me it summed up how important and how valuable it is. So one of the areas that I think we, we should talk about too is resident engagement, right? The resident engagement, some they call it activities or uh, some other names, but these are the other this is the other department that I think really has the touch points. Um, and for me, I always found that that was the person that I had to win over the most, right? If my resident engagement director or my activity director and I as a, as a culinary or a food service director had it had a great relationship, like I could get 
all of the dirt on what I needed to do to fix my operation, the, the stuff that residents wouldn't tell me, um, they they were they were able to get that out because they were always talking to residents, they were interacting, they were the they were kind of the life of the community, right? And, and I find that you know that resident engagement, you know, it's almost like being an event planner, right? And I think you know when you think about careers in hospitality, right? Event planning is one that a lot of people look at. Uh, because it's something new, it's fun, you're always trying to do different things. But working with resident engagement, you can do a lot of the things that you guys have already talked about, right? Like creating that experience, introducing that food as medicine, right? In programming and activities. And in, uh, you know, a lot of communities I've seen recently, they'll, you know, they'll do like a, a tour of countries or whatever, a taste of Italy or for example. And so, you know, now all of a sudden you're a part of that resident engagement and it's more than just the three touch points. And so I think that's another area that's that has a lot of tie over to to the hospitality world of thinking about working in maybe like a convention hotel where you've got an events department and the food and beverage department, how closely they have to work together. It's very similar in the senior living community as well. And so the, the last area, and I want you guys both to maybe speak to this is uh, the operations team, right? We to to kind of lay some groundwork for for the students. When we refer to operations, we're talking about like the general manager, or in this case, we call them executive directors or regional directors of operations, and and so they kind of have the umbrella responsibility uh, of how communities operate. Like, are they financially successful? Is customer service going the way you want it to? Are they managing things correctly? And so. I'd love to get um, your guys' take on that. And so, Andrew, why don't you kind of give us your experience and maybe a, a couple of tricks on that you have on working with operations and getting them to understand what we do. Absolutely. The, um, I mean, the operations team's in charge of running the whole building. Um, so they have several different departments, several different disciplines, and several different managers that they're, you know, managing um, or leading by way of uh, chefs in our culinary department, I mean, we tend to run one of the largest departments in the communities as well. Um, so it's also a very big operation. Um, you know, care, they're staffing to a specific matrix of a care model when it comes to, you know, culinary, a lot of the purchasing is, um, you know, we're trying to develop our own systems to make sure that we have enough food in house, make sure that we're changing the menu frequently. So there's a lot more variables when it comes to managing our budgets. Um, so really being a strong operator of our own department, I think has been, you know, my biggest success. And one of the, uh, some of the best executive directors I've worked with are the executive directors that have put the right people in the right places to run their, their own businesses. Um, you know, there's an executive director I know that always just says, I'm just, I'm going to trust you to run your business. And she's like, I'll micromanage your business if you need me to, but I'm going to trust you to run your business. Um, so I think as an operator of a, of a department, it's being able to treat it as if it is your own business. Um, you know, I always tell our chefs, if you're going to, if you're going to be over budget, um, if it was your own restaurant, would you be comfortable with that? And sometimes if it is your own business, you're, you're comfortable putting additional money into it, uh, but not having the mindset that it's not my money. So I'm not worried about it. Um, so running it with a strong business sense, uh, making sure that you're focused on your expense management, uh, managing your labor as well as resident satisfaction. Um, and if you're and if you're on top of all those, you're probably going to have a really strong relationship with your general manager or executive director. Matt, your thoughts? 
A lot of great points. I love what Andrew said. I mean, at the end of the day, let's face it, we're running a business and we're in it to be profitable. There's no, there's no hiding that we're in a for-profit business. And, you know, we have this wonderful um, challenge to run dining and food and beverage responsibly. We are by and large, the largest expense center for each respective community and location. Um, it comes down to great business metrics, right? So think economics, um, you know, think about uh, a cross collaborative effort by multiple department heads and leaders that come together to promote the hopefulness of that respective community. Um, you know, I think, you know, just quickly, some of the, the key performance indicators that we look for in our food and beverage directors are coming from that place of passion that they understand that it is their business. There's accountability there. There's ownership. But what a great challenge. What a great opportunity to come in. I, I, one little one liner here for you before I um, kind of conclude is, you know, when I'm hiring chefs, I say, wouldn't it be great if you could open your own restaurant, but we'll pay all the bills, right? Really want the ownership there, but that's ultimately that latitude of responsibility and autonomy, most importantly, that they have. They're open in their own restaurant. We're paying all the bills and we work together for a healthy business. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I think the one thing that maybe I would add is that, you know, my experience being that, especially thinking about like the regional directors, right? These these uh, ladies and gentlemen that are, are responsible for not just one community, but maybe anywhere from four to eight to 10, depending upon how the company structured, is getting them to understand the program and buy into the value of it. You know, I've worked with regional directors who would just tell me, well, just make sure they manage the dollars, right? Like, I just need to hit my NOI for the month and we're good. And, and you can tell those communities always tend to underperform. You know, because the focus wasn't really on what was important, which was the experience for the residents and putting all the right things in place. You know, because if you do all of those other things, the, the money will come, right? It's almost like when you run a restaurant or a hotel the right way, you know, if this experience is right, if the service is good, if the food is good, you get a reputation and people will keep coming back. And that's kind of the way it is uh, dealing with those regional operators. And so... Um, I know we wanted to leave a little time for some Q&A at the end, but I've got about two to three more minutes. And so um, I just wanted to ask both Matt and Andrew one kind of quick question about um, what's probably the biggest challenge currently that you're dealing with uh, as an operator thinking about food or service or staffing or any of those things. What's the biggest challenge you have right now and kind of what are you doing to, uh, to address it? So Matt, I'll let you go first. Well, I'm going to take the layup here and thank you for it. Sorry, Andrew, but staffing by and large is our biggest challenge. Um, you know, as, as in a post-pandemic world and an inflationary, you know, kind of contraction period, that is what we're seeing as uh, our biggest challenge is staffing. Um, we will not compromise on the quality of the experience and finding the right leaders to work with us has been our biggest challenge. Um, into the latter part of your question, what are we doing about it? We're really becoming aggressive going out in looking for our leaders. Um, gone are the days where we can wait for them to come and fill out a resume or an application online or walk into our community and say, hey, um, Aaron, I'm looking for a job. Can I can I have an interview? Those days are gone. So it's a much more competitive world now. And I think um, we are mentoring our leaders to be great leaders. And we're going out and finding these folks so that we can help to address some of these challenges we're having related to staffing. Andrew? Um, yeah, I think that uh, 
you know, uh, inflation and supply chain are, are just going to be a constant issue for the next couple of years. But um, I'll double down on mats um, with staffing. Obviously, across the world, we're seeing there's a major issue with not only just uh, finding staff, but also retention. So, um, you know, I agree with Matt, it's going out and, you know, having a strong recruitment program and trying to find and identify those team members that you can cultivate into stronger leaders. Um, and then just changing the landscape of the the work environment that they're in to increase retention. We spend all this time going out, uh, you know, uh, to recruit and hire and onboard and train. Um, and then, you know, everybody, it's such a competitive market. It's really easy to find other offers or get other offers after they're already on board. So also creating an environment that our team members want to come to work every day where they enjoy uh, flexibility, where they enjoy what they're doing and where they see a path to further development in their career. Yeah, I mean, I, staffing is probably one, two and three from challenges at this point. And so, you know, I saw a report this morning where they're talking about, like you mentioned, Andrew, it's a global issue. You know, the demographics just aren't matching up with the, the, the demand. So um, you know, it's definitely something that we're we're working on. But I think, the, you know, talking with students like this, getting them interested in senior living, getting them to understand that, you know, if your dream was like mine to be that ho hotel high-end general manager, you can get into senior living and do that exact same job, but then know that you're having an, an impact on somebody's life more than just the three days that they're there for a conference or the, the weekend they're there to visit family. And so, uh, hospitality with a purpose. I can't say it enough. So, um, you know, Matt, Andrew, thank you guys so much for, for, for kind of having this discussion. Um, and Karen, we're going to open it up. You know, we've got about 10 minutes here. Let's uh, answer as many questions as we can before our time's up. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have a question, feel free to type it in the chat or go ahead and unmute yourself if you'd just like to ask it verbally. So it looks like we do have a question. Um, I can go ahead and read it. What are some of the most important qualities for, whoops, for someone, my screen just jumped, sorry about that. What are the most important qualities for someone who wants to work in senior living, culinary and dining? What are the finding, what are you finding most of your candidates? Where are you finding most of your candidates? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, so, uh, Andrew, why don't you take this question since I, uh, I gave Matt the layup earlier. All right, awesome. <laughs> um, by way of qualities, I think that, um, you know, it's not just uh, obviously everybody's looking for somebody that wants is looking to work hard and has a good, good attitude. Um, I think nowadays it's more important, as, as, as I just mentioned, to find people that we can invest in and cultivate strong leadership. So always looking for not the job I'm hiring, but the next two or three jobs that we're going to create for that person or, or put that person in down the road. Um, so looking for somebody that's willing to grow, uh, that has a great attitude and has those leadership soft skills. Um, by way of finding our candidates, it's been a, it's been really interesting over the past couple of years. Um, you know, we've uh, expanded into social media through uh, like LinkedIn's obviously a more business minded social media, but even through Instagram or Facebook, um, as well as um, kind of had to put ourselves out there. Um, you know, I always carry around a, a pocket full of business cards. And when I go out to a restaurant and I get really great service, I'll 
you know, write down on the back of the card. If you're ever interested, um, you know, in getting into senior living, please give me a call and I'll, I'll tell them they gave me great customer service. And, you know, here's my card. I'd love to connect you with somebody in your area um, for a job. So coming up with new creative ways to put yourself out there um, to find those new candidates. Um, like Matt said, we can't just wait for people to show up and, you know, knock on our back door and hand us a resume. And even through Indeed or, you know, the different online platforms for job searching, um, it's so competitive. And if you don't get a hold of somebody very quickly, you know, they can be in the wind. So always looking for new and creative ways to try to cast a wider net as well. I'll just awesome. add, you know, I think that's a great point that Andrew made in terms of you never know who you're going to come in contact with. So you guys as students, you want to keep that in mind that your next future employer might be, you know, your customer if you're working at a restaurant or a hotel. So that might be your next future employer that you always want to think about. Um, the next question is, in class, we talked about outsourcing for different sections of senior living community. Have you had to outsource for employees to maintain productivity? So we did talk a little bit uh, earlier this week about different companies that provide outsourcing for dining, but there's other outsourcing things that a senior living community could do. So maybe um, each of you or one of you can speak to outsourcing that uh, from a food service perspective, uh, primarily. So I... I'm going to say something really quick and then I want to give Matt an opportunity to talk more on it as well. I, I personally am very pro self-operator, right? Like, you know, I working with people like Andrew and Matt and knowing my career, you know, the contract management has a, there's a time and a place and a purpose for it. But I think the most successful operators are going to be the ones that bring it in house because they can build the cultures and the programs and the things that they want uh, that reflect them and what they do. And so um, I'll let Matt talk a little bit about that as well, but then also kind of maybe outsourcing for employees and any of that you maybe have done as well. Absolutely. Um, so kind of two separate verticals here. And I, I agree with everything that Aaron said, you know, third party contract management is great. They bring a whole toolbox of productivity with them. Um, and I do think there are um, instances where that is probably the best value add. Um, when you hire an Andrew or, or, or someone as myself, I think that you're empowering that personal touch. Um, so the second vertical about, you know, kind of in a, through a pandemic world and through a challenging environment for really procuring staff, we do at times have to outsource with agency folks that come into our communities and they work as kind of um, a portion of our team. Now, that is something that, uh, not to oversimplify it, but it's like a Band-Aid. And we ultimately want to hire our own folks that are team members and associates as a portion of our team. And as you would imagine, um, agency has a whole long contract saying that you can't steal them and they can't come work for you. So there is this kind of natural separation, even though you try not to have that, there is a kind of us and them kind of thing. And we really try to avoid that. I will say optimistically, we are seeing a reduction in agency and we're really looking forward to kind of exploring that more. Great. Um, the next question is, I know you said the kitchen will talk to the wellness department, maybe for a resident's diet. If someone in the wellness department reaches out to the kitchen that a resident maybe is deficient in a vitamin, for example, will you make a special meal for them accommodating this? Is that going to me? I think. I think yeah, I'm no, sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. awesome, I have a perfect guy. answer for it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll, uh, thank you, Molly, for the question. Um, so 
uh, this actually happened while I was a chef in the community, we were having a resident that was having a skin breakdown. Um, so especially residents that are bed bound or in memory care, they're not moving as much so they can, they have skin breakdown more frequently. Um, so, um, and if you're not eating as much, if you're not staying hydrated, you're not getting all the necessary nutrients to keep your skin health up. So, um, on doing a little bit of research, I found that, uh, protein, zinc, and vitamin C were, uh, you know, kind of like the key minerals and vitamins, uh, to improve skin health. So, uh, for that resident, we put them on a smoothie plan that we were giving them, uh, two smoothies a day that were really high in that, um, just to help with their skin health and prevent breakdown. So that was just like one example. Smoothies are a great way to get, uh, vitamins and minerals into a resident's diet. And it's also super easy on the kitchen because you can, you know, prep them out in batches and just throw them in a blender. Um, in addition, if there is, you know, a resident that does have a need or a dietary need, and we want to make that adjustment, um, you know, earlier, Matt talked about keeping the back door closed. Um, you know, if we're unwilling at the community level to, you know, make a minor adjustment to a resident's diet to keep them healthy and keep them happy, uh, this, the, the competitor down the street's going to be very willing to make that promise to them. So, um, I think not just as our duty, you know, to run a successful business, but just, out of our responsibility to care for our residents, um, making those little one-off adjustments um, is completely within the scope of what we are able to do. Um, and additionally, with the you know just really the the making everything in house and making things from scratch, it really gives us ability to manipulate the recipes and the food and the individual dishes for the different residents, so that we can make those adjustments. It's a lot more difficult if you're just serving a frozen lasagna to you know make it make a tweak to the to the plate so um absolutely um we love to get involved we want to keep our residents um healthy safe and well nourished yeah and abdullah asked the question i'm sorry Karen, i'm going to jump in just yeah. because it ties right into what andrew's talking about he was asking what do you mean by food is medicine and i think your smoothie example is the perfect kind of way to describe it right it's we could either give the resident the zinc and the vitamins and the protein in a pill or a powder form or something like that, or we can make it a part of their food experience. And that's something that becomes more palatable, more enjoyable. And so, I, you know, and please, Andrew, add anything you want to that. But I mean, that's what we're talking about when we talk about food as medicine. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a buzzword, right? Like it's not, a, um, we're not putting medicine into the food, but I think we're taking those necessary nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that the resident's body needs. And we're finding foods that are high on that so that we can provide it to them without needing to take a pharmaceutical approach. Okay, great. Um, so Mark asked, have you dealt with any complaints from residents regarding the meal provided and how do you deal with those complaints? And maybe talk about maybe some differences from a traditional restaurant experience versus the senior living experience. Absolutely, yeah, thank you for that. Um, well, let's face it. I mean, it's really hard to make everybody happy with food. Um, and, and that you know kind of applies both in a freestanding restaurant or in a hotel or even in senior living. I think that each of us have our own general uniquenesses around food and our desires and what we like and love. Um, why I love this question is because I'm so passionate about hospitality. And, and, and I know all of you are as well. And one of the, the one of the most um, kind of enjoyable and challenging things we get to do is called service recovery. I'm sure you've heard of this. And when it doesn't go well, that's really when your true colors shine. Um, you know, we've we've kind of deployed some 
initiatives where if we don't make it to that resident and they have since departed the restaurant, it's it's we roll out the red carpet. It's a handwritten note from the chef apologizing once we learn what happened. It's a personal invitation back to the restaurant. Perhaps it's even a little door hanger with some of their favorite cookies we know they like, um, you know, kind of recovering from that service instance. I think we have this into the, you know, kind of latter part of that question. The, the, the best part we have in senior living is that they live with us, right? Um, no, nothing scary here, but we know where they live and we can go knock on the door and we can say, hey, look, we know we goofed that. Let us help to make it correct. So service recovery, definitely something we're very passionate about. Yeah. And I would add to that, you know, Andrew talked about communication earlier, right? With departments. Well, it's it's just as important, if not more important with the residents you're serving. I, I always, when somebody asks me a question like this, I go back to my lemon bar story. I had a resident who was, he managed the American Institute of Baking. And so he had retired from there. And he told me that there is no such thing as a good lemon bar. Don't serve it. Don't put it on the menu. Right. And so he and I would go back and forth round and round. But what I realized was, as I talked to him more and more, I got to understand his backstory. And I learned that there were a few other areas where he was displeased, but the easy target was my lemon bar, right? And so once I figured out what those things were, I then communicated to those other departments, hey, go fix this. Hey, go talk to him about this. Hey, let's look into these things. And the next thing you know, six months later, that resident is my biggest cheerleader champion. He was the the head of my dining committee. He helped me implement a bunch of resident-focused programs. And it was all because I listened and communicated and I was able to kind of do that root cause service recovery like Matt was talking about. And so that communication piece is so important in senior living. Yeah, I'll just add, I think it's interesting, um, just those comments we did talk in class about, uh, I mentioned there's a study where people were served the exact same food, but the service quality was different and people perceived the taste of the food to be better when they got a better service experience. So it kind of ties into the communication comments that all of you are making. So great. I think we have time for one more question. Uh, And Luke asked, in class, we talked about the importance of the net promoter score and their importance within organizations. For you guys, what are some ways organizations can raise their net promoter scores or recommendation scores and maybe talk about it from a food service perspective? Yeah, Matt, do you want to start with what MBK does? Sure, sure. I'm I'm excited to answer this one and I'll turn it over to Andrew here in just a moment. Um, The net promoter score is something we put a lot of value into. Um, You know, the kind of question that we ask often is based on this evening's meal, would you recommend a friend or family member to dine at this restaurant? That's a great MPS question. Um, I'm currently in process deploying um, tablets that will go around to do pulse surveys um, to drive more frequent data to obtain. really good insights into service and food quality in all of our food and beverage um, outlets. Andrew? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's really keeping your finger on the pulse of everything, right? Um, I think in addition to um, the residents in the, you know, in the dining room and getting their feedback and, you know, getting their recommendations, it's as well as putting yourself out there um, in the, 
in the local community as well. Um, I think that ways, um, you know, we've done that through directly through culinaries, um, you know, through culinary competitions, through doing events for like Chamber of Commerce, et cetera, um, where not only are we, you know, getting feedback from our residents on a daily basis, but additionally, we're trying to show everybody else outside of the community what we're capable of doing and the quality of our products. Yeah, and I, the feedback piece is so important. And what I tell operators and, and clients when I work with them is that getting feedback is important, but it's the, how quickly you get it and how quickly you act on it, right? And I know, Matt, you were talking about pulse surveys and I, I can just, you know, from my experience, and I know, Andrea, Matt, you've experienced this as well. The longer you let something sit, the more it's going to kind of sit and then the recommendation goes away, right? And so that it's getting that positivity around, hey, I had an issue, they addressed it, they took care of it, like by the next meal even, that quickly, then it becomes the talk of the town and then it starts to raise that score and, and more recommendations. So uh, great stuff. So um, Karen, right, I know- Yep, yeah. I was just going to say from Purdue, from our students, we want to give you all a great big round of applause. And we greatly appreciate Matt, Andrew, and Aaron for you um, sharing your knowledge and information about senior living, culinary, and dining. We really appreciate it. And I'll turn it over to you, Aaron, to close us out. Yeah, no, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Uh, thank you to Matt and Andrew for being here. Um, Karen has our contact information. If you want to ask us more questions, if you're interested more about uh, opportunities, you know, we would love to hear from you. You know, we, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak for Matt and Andrew. I know we know that like talking to students like you who have a passion for hospitality, getting into senior living is going to be what helps us turn the corner as an industry doing that. And so, uh, I appreciate your guys' time uh, and thank you so much, Matt, Andrew, Karen. This has been great. So thank you, everybody. So there you have it. Another one in the books. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. You can follow or direct message me on LinkedIn, where I'm always commenting and posting about food, hospitality, and leadership for the senior living industry. Or give me a follow on Twitter at ahfish or Instagram at Aaron H. Fish. And check out my company, Trestle Hospitality Concepts, at www.trestlehospitalityconcepts.com. I'm your host, Aaron Fish, and this has been another episode of Tips from Trestle.